Lovely day for tennis, eh? Game set and match. This is Tennis Talk Canada with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Welcome aboard. Another show all set to sail. And as we speak, Felix Oje Aliassim having trouble with uh, Nick Kyrgios losing the first set uh, 2 6. So we'll explore that as we motor along. Jim Taddy, Ken Christina with you. Ken is, of course, the director of tennis at the Mayfair Clubs. And uh, Kenny coming up on our broadcast today, Mike McIntyre, good friend of yours, uh, at McIntyre Tennis, is his Twitter account. He's the co host of At Match Point Can, the official podcast of Tennis Canada, and well involved. And I know he talked to Felix earlier this week, and, we'll, and we're pleased to have Daniel Nestor on as well. Interesting show, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. And uh, you're 100% correct on this match here with Felix and Nick. Unfortunately, Felix off to a rough start, but look for him to turn that around and get back into the match. Uh, excited to have Mike McIntyre today. And of course, the legendary former world number one, Daniel Nestor on the show. Uh, be interesting to see what he's up to these days and if he's watching any of the Wimbledon coverage um, trying to relive those moments of his glory years. We'll see what he has to say today. Yeah, ask him about the uh, the slippery surface, and that was dealt with on uh, Breakfast at Wimbledon on, on TSN on the TV side earlier this morning. And, of course, things have changed since uh, Daniel was there, but uh, he can give us sort of a scene set on, on what it's like to play there. And before we get going, let me tell you that Racket Guys is Canada's largest selection of tennis gear at the guaranteed lowest price. Shop online at racketguys.ca or visit their Markham Superstore for expert advice. Owlmortgage.ca is here to help educate first-time and existing homeowners on how to use their mortgage as a tool to build wealth through real estate. While many feel the new stress test hinders borrowers, owlmortgage.ca can teach you how it can grow your net worth. Call 416-613-5363 today. That's 416-613-LEND. So let's get into this. And obviously in the first set, there was there was an ebb and flow. Curios got got on his, his train and started to, to pull away. And then Felix battled back. And then there was a medical timeout. And Curios uh, came back and just blew through uh, the first set. It there was a lot of stuff that happened in that first set. Absolutely. And in typical Kyrgios fashion, he's playing to the crowd. He kind of gets the crowd yeah. worked up. He gets the crowd on his side. He showed up for the match without the proper shoes. So there's a delay for him to have his, his correct tennis shoes delivered. And, you know, he, he's a character. He's a challenge to play against for any player. But for Felix, who plays so structured and is so focused, it's going to be difficult for him to kind of put up with all of the antics of a Nick Kyrgios. Now, I love watching Nick Kyrgios play, but I would not want to play against Nick Kyrgios. Um, you know, he's serving underhand to throw the rhythm of Felix yeah. off. He's really inside his head, and it's going to make for a big challenge for the young um, Oje Aliassim. But... I think that he can pull this match off. It's going to be a challenge for him mentally, but I think he can battle through and uh, and take this match. Yeah, I guess at some point you run out of distractions, and, and in the first, uh, certainly in the first set, I, I thought that Felix got as soon as Felix got through that, then all of a sudden we had the medical timeout where Kyrgios is is uh, making uh, I guess gestures to the crowd to tell them on camera that he's okay, and and then some fast work by Kyrgios after that. But I mean, sooner or later this has to settle down. I was interested. Uh, there was a panel on the TSN TV coverage going through, uh, you know, how you handled Nick Kyrgios, and, and there seemed to be a lot of concern uh, because he's probably not going to endure like like some of the greats in the game have and, and continue to, and, and, and that's a concern for some people. For me, it's he is who he is, and if he doesn't want to play forever, then that's his choice. 
Absolutely. And Kyrgios actually said in a, either in a tweet or in an interview this week that for him, it's not about winning grand slams. He plays to have fun. He plays because he enjoys the sport. And there's only so many Federer's and Nadal and Djokovic's around. And he's a different kind of player. Yet he doesn't train as much. He doesn't hit the gym as much. He, he's actually said, I don't even like going to the gym. And there was talk that he's not even practicing that much in between matches. He hits a few balls and then kind of calls it a day. Um, and that's okay. It works for Nick Kyrgios. The problem when you're playing a guy like that for Felix is he works so hard and he trains yeah. so hard. And he loses that first set 6-2 against, against Kyrgios, who doesn't even seem to be really trying. And it's kind of like, what, what is going on here? So you face that kind of side of things as well. Um, but look, without Nick Kyrgios, we'd be missing out on a lot of laughs. Although Felix doesn't seem to be having a lot of laughs at the moment. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're hoping for good things here. And, and you're right, you know, Kyrgios is also battling a, a bit of a stomach pull or some stomach muscles that are giving him some trouble. Um, but I, I, I often wonder with a guy like that, is it even real? Or is it just another tactic to kind of get under the skin and get into the mind of Felix Ojealiasim to in today's match? Well, probably another growing pain for, for Felix, and, and that's part of, uh, you know, you have to go through everything before you can uh, dance on top. And, 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 you know, as far as the distractions go from everybody that I've talked to, it's sort of like playing Ken Christina. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll tell you, I, I did try everything when I played, uh, when I competed. I, I would blame the wind, I would blame the umpire, I would blame the tennis balls. It, it never seemed to want to be my fault, but... Um, I wasn't quite the player that these guys are by any stretch, but I certainly was, was good at trying the mental side of the game and getting underneath people's skin. And, uh, you know, I'd hate to say it, but it did win me quite a few matches. And, uh, I grew up in an era where we watched John McEnroe and we watched mm -hmm. Jimmy Connors and we watched Eli Nastasi and players like that. So unfortunately those were the players that I kind of tailored my game after and, you know, when I look back now, I probably stepped over that line too many times, but I can't call all those guys and apologize. I can only, uh, you know, say it here publicly that I wish I had been just a little bit different than I was, but that's all right. <laughs> uh, part of growing up. Um, so we'll, we'll leave Felix alone for a bit and, and we'll be able to update this uh, during the hour. I should remind everybody that we've got Euro soccer on TSN 1050 today. Immediately after we're done, Czech Republic against Denmark. Uh, yes, guy, me and Perry Lefko at two scheduled and then Ukraine against uh, England at three. So a busy day of live sports action here on TSN 1050. Uh, in terms of the other stuff, I mean, obviously Denis Shapovalov, I, I think, and, and we should should point out that John McEnroe said Felix was going to win against Kyrgios, and, and I think that everybody understood that Dennis would beat Andy Murray. Having said that, doing it is, is still an accomplishment, especially at Wimbledon, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. You play Andy Murray on the grass of Wimbledon. You play Andy Murray on center court. It doesn't matter whether they're allowed to have 100% of the fans there or not. There's pressure there. And, you know, Dennis said post-match that when he won junior Wimbledon, Andy Murray was winning Wimbledon and you know it was he was an idol of his he said after the match he, you know he's his hero for how he's come back from injury but you still have to be able to do it and I actually picked Dennis to win in three sets I picked him by a score of 756362 I was close in my prediction I felt that it would be a little close to start the match but the Dennis is 
you know, enthusiasm, his movement and his power would take over the match. But you just don't know what's going to happen in those circumstances. And I'm impressed with how Dennis handled the pressure of playing Andy Murray on center court. I'm impressed with how he handled things when Andy fought back hard, winning 11 points in a row at one point late in that first set and actually had break point to make it five all. But at the end of the day, Dennis was just too much uh, for the former world number one and the and the Wimbledon uh, champion in the past. Uh, one thing that, that, that Dennis still needs to work on, and you and I have talked about it, uh, Jim, is that first serve. His first serve percentage was only at, at 54%. That's not going to get the job done against the greats of the game, the current greats of the game. He's got to serve that first serve at a higher percentage because he has so many weapons after that serve. If he can get that serve in, it's going to allow him to dictate more points, especially on the grass courts of the Wimbledon championships. Okay, let's do a little tennis clinic before we go over some of the disappointments for uh, Tennis Canada earlier this week. Um, and uh, when I was watching the, the Felix match against Kyrgios in the early stages before we came on the air, uh, there were a couple of uh, mishits, forehands. So how would he correct that? Well, the number one way is to keep get your feet settled underneath you. If your feet are moving, then typically your head is moving. And if your head is moving, you're going to have a lot of mishits because you're not able to focus on the ball. And as your head moves, typically your shoulder and your arm are going to pull away from the ball. So his balance has to be better, number one. Number two, if you're having a lot of mishits, especially on a fast surface, you've got to shorten your backswing a little bit. So for our club players that might be listening, you know, maybe you play at one set of courts all the time that are relatively newly resurfaced so those courts are going to be a little slower you maybe travel or you can't get a court at that club so you go play at another club where the courts are a lot quicker you've got to shorten up your backswing that's going to reduce your miss hits it's going to reduce you being a little bit late on the stroke and misfiring and hitting the ball wide so that's going to help you so those are some things that Felix has to try to do stay a little better balanced shorten up his stroke a little bit the last thing that you can do, and the pros really don't want to do this, but is to step away from the baseline a little bit. What it does is it's giving your opponent a little bit more time to see your ball coming back at them. But sometimes you have to give up a little bit to work on your game during the match, and then he can step back up closer to the baseline to take that time and space away from his opponent. Those th things will help Felix kind of get back into the rhythm of the match and start forcing Kyrgios a little bit more. Now, you and I have had several conversations on this, so it's probably just a rephrase of what I've already asked you. But but in terms of, you know, let's go back to the first set where he has a couple of forehands that, that he didn't, he wasn't going to be happy with. And, like, how difficult is that in the heat of battle to correct? Oh, extremely tough. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about the Djokovic's and the Dolls and, the you know, the, the great players in the game and how they can adjust kind of on the fly and how those... Those missteps, let's call them, don't affect them because they're so mentally strong. But so, someone like Felix, yeah, he's playing great tennis, but he, you know, at, the, at, at 20 years old, at, at the, the level of tennis that he's playing, you make a few mishits and a few missed shots, especially on key points, and you, you start to second-guess yourself. You start to think, you know, is my forehand not working today or is my first serve not working today? And and those are mental ba battles that he has to face and he has to battle through them to be successful and to reach the great heights that he wants to reach. Is it tough to fix it on the fly? Absolutely. But there's little things that he can do. Sometimes it's simple as missing a ball in the net 
and kind of asking a, one of the ball kids for a ball and just hitting the ball down to the other end of the court towards one of the other ball kids so that you get a feel for that's how my stroke should feel. And it's that mental imaging, it's that mental focus that will kind of help him to battle through. And I think he has the ability to do it. He's shown it before um, and expect to see it today in, the, in his matchup. Uh, you know, we'll get into the disappointments uh, later on. I want to create some space for Mike McIntyre, our next guest. And so he's next. He is the co-host of Matchpoint Can, and uh, it's the official podcast of Tennis Canada. Whatever your home means to you, owlmortgage.ca and its expert staff can help turn your home ownership dreams into a reality that you and your family can be proud of. With education and a plan, owlmortgage.ca will grow your net worth through real estate. Call 416-613-5363 today, 416 Lend. This is Tennis Talk Canada, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Also available in the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. Welcome back to Tennis Talk Canada. By the way, Felix leading the second set 5-1, so the turnaround has started. This segment of Tennis Talk Canada is sponsored by the Fox Group at IG Private Wealth Management. Getting your financial planning in order is very important. This past year has taught us to expect the unexpected, so I feel comfortable and confident recommending Don Fox and his team to you. The Fox Group will provide a written plan that will be tailored specifically for you, will reflect your goals and aspirations. It will be reviewed with you regularly, updated or adjusted to reflect major changes in circumstances or life events. The planning process begins with you in mind, the Fox Group inspiring clients to achieve true wealth. Contact the Fox Group at their website, donfox.net. Follow them on Twitter at Fox Group PWM. Jim Taddy, Ken Christina with you. Please have with us Mike McIntyre. He's the co-host of Matchpoint, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. Mike, welcome. How are you today, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's uh, fantastic to be talking about Wimbledon again after uh, last year, unfortunately, not having the event being held. Yeah, we missed it, didn't we? Absolutely. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I was a kid, Wimbledon was the tournament that hooked me on the sport. It uh, always coincided with the start of summer break as a kid, and so I'd be catching it whether I was at home or on vacation. And uh, so not to have any grass court tennis last year was a real shame, and it's fantastic to see it, to see it back. It's a, a short swing in the overall season for the men and the women, but a really special one, I think. I agree with you 100%, Mike. Uh, you know, a lot of people want to know what's up with Roger Federer. I've talked to everybody I talk to in the tennis world, want, want to kind of think that maybe he can win it. Can he make it deep into the second week? Does he have it left in him? What are your thoughts on Roger Federer and where his game's at these days? Yeah, well, we haven't had a big sample size to really see, have we? Because with his injury and the pandemic, uh, he hasn't played a whole lot of tennis matches over the last year. But of course, his fans would love to see him have at least one last glorious run something similar to what Pete Sampras did in 2002 when he was really struggling, but then out of nowhere as the 17th seed won the U.S. Open, retired and walked off into the sunset as a champion. So Federer fans would love to see that happen. And, and what greater place for him than at Wimbledon, where he has eight titles in the past, best grass court player of all time on the men's side, I think, hands down. But as I said, he hasn't played a ton, and I don't think he's at the point where he really trusts his body and trusts his game at this point in time. His first-round match against Manorino was looking really dour there for a while when he was down two sets to one, and you know he kind of got lucky that his opponent had to retire with a slip on the grass there. He looked better against Gasquet in the last round, and he's uh, up a set and a break right now against Cam Norrie, but uh, how will he respond when he plays one of the big names in the draw? 
And should he make it deep, do we give him a chance against Djokovic, Djokovic the way that the world number one has been playing this year? Mike, Felix has prevailed uh, 6-1 in the second set, and Kyrgios may be having, oh, he, I think it's over. I think Kyrgios may have just uh, retired because uh, he looks like he's got medical uh, issues, and he went over and shook Felix's hand. So looks like Felix is going to get through. And there he is, uh, Kyrgios on TSN applauding the uh, the fans. And, and so that's it. Felix gets through on, on a medical issue uh, to Kyrgios. So that's a developing story. Uh, the other wow. developing story, and maybe because uh, we haven't seen it for a year, seems to be the, the slick surface. What's your read on that? Yeah, it's really something. I mean, obviously, grass is a surface where you are going to have more falls than you do on a hard quarter or on clay. But it seems this year like we're, we're seeing them in, in epic proportions. And I was speaking with Zach Thomas, who's a uh, podiatrist from the States, also a huge tennis nut. He has a YouTube channel where he cuts tennis shoes open to kind of look at their consistency and their build. And what he told me, what he's noticed is, you know, a couple of things. First of all, the courts have been a little more wet this year, more moisture, because there was some crummy weather to start the tournament. On top of that, players didn't have as much time between transitioning from clay and grass this year because the French Open was held a little bit later. So maybe not quite as much preparation getting used to the surface. And a third observation is grass court tennis is played different than it used to be, guys. Like when I was young, it was serve and volley. You were going north to south on the courts and not as much movement that's going to cause you to fall. Now it's more east-west. Players play grass the same way almost they play clay or hard court. So it's, it's being played in a different way and a way that's going to lead to more of those falls, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Mike. And I think the biggest reason the game has changed on grass is because the grass is so much better than it used to be. The bounce is so much better. So they're more inclined to stay back into their comfort zone. But, you know, you remember the years of the McEnroe's playing the game. The court was worn out up at the net more than almost mm-hmm. more than it was at the baseline. We just don't see that anymore. So Yeah, it's a different uh, pattern, the way the tournament develops on where you see the grass sort of wearing out. But as the tournament progresses, uh, of course, there is going to be less grass, more dirt. And so uh, hopefully that leads to more player safety too. Because when you see a player like Serena Williams have to leave the tournament in her round one match, that's not what we want to see. We don't want to see anyone hurt like that, especially a great champion who's, who's chasing history. So. So just to repeat again, Kyrgios had to retire due to a medical issue, so Felix gets through to the next round. He'd lost the first set 2-6-1, the second one 6-1, and um, ongoing issues for Kyrgios as he leaves uh, the court as we speak right now. So what I wanted to ask you, Mike, was, you know, they did some talking about the shoe, the, the bottom, the, the sole, I guess the, the uh, what, what am I looking for, the sole of the shoe, and, and uh, you know, golf shoes, don't really have spikes. They have dimples. So I'm just wondering if they, they, they could do some sort of a blend with a tennis upper and some sort of a golf shoe bottom for that. Yeah, I wonder if players will look at ways to sort of get creative. Uh, I mean, the grass court season is already going to be coming to an end within the next week. But for next year, perhaps, although, you know, someone did mention to me the other day that the All England Club does has, have pretty stringent rules about what kind of footwear you can bring out there. Just like if you're a member at a clay court club, you know, you might not be wearing your hard court shoes because you don't want to wreck out the, the surface. So on grass, I would imagine it's uh, kind of similar. Ken, maybe you can speak to it. I've never played on grass myself, but I wonder if players will try to get creative, and I wonder what the tournament will do in terms of inspecting those shoes to make sure they're not going to chew up the grass. Yeah, they've used the dimples from time to time. Some companies went away from them. Now they're going back to them, or maybe they're not going to stay with them. They the problem is the the tougher the shoe that you put on that surface, the quicker the grass breaks down. Um, I played on it uh, when I toured Europe at the age of, I think we were 15 at the time. 
And even though I was a, a net rusher and loved getting to the net, I certainly did not enjoy the grass. It didn't help that the three tournaments that we played, I played guys from Great Britain in the first round. I believe <laughs> I won three games in three matches. I was uh, quick to get out of there, and we headed to the clay of, uh, I can't remember, Holland, I think we went next. Um, we've watched a lot of Bianca of late. Doesn't seem like she's playing the, the greatest tennis of, uh, of her career from certainly what we've seen in the past. What do you think's right and or wrong with Bianca's game right now? Yeah, it's been tough watching her over the last couple of years, mostly because she's been on the sidelines more than she's been on the tennis court. It's hard to believe, guys, that in August it's going to be two years already since her incredible run here at the Rogers Cup, now National Bank Open, uh, and the U.S. Open title as well that was, as you guys know, just groundbreaking for Canadian tennis to have a singles major champion like that. And I think a lot of us thought in the aftermath, boy, maybe we should get used to this. Her game looks so great and so diverse, and she's beaten all sorts of top players. Should we get accustomed to seeing her winning more trophies and more slams? And and maybe we would would have if it weren't for the fact that you know her body keeps breaking down. And uh, on top of that, the bad luck with the COVID positive test. Her coach, her former coach now Silvey Bruno, also who tested positive earlier this year. So she just seems to have had such a string of bad luck, both physically and with the restrictions and the pandemic. Um, now that she's healthy, of course, here she is playing on grass, a surface that she hasn't played on in a couple of years doesn't have or didn't have any really professional matches on the surface coming into Wimbledon. Uh, and she's without a coach for the first time really in her career as well. And as she mentioned to me in her post-match press conference after getting thumped by uh, Elise Cornet from France, uh, she's getting used to not having that voice, not having that person to go to in the moment. And she also doesn't have a ton of matches under her belt. So I think, unfortunately, all these factors played into a short trip uh, on the grass at Wimbledon for Bianca this year. Hopefully she can shake it off. She's going back to hard courts where she's had, you know, the majority of her success. And if she's healthy and can get in some good practice time and, and maybe bring someone in even on an interim basis to help coach her, um, that should hopefully serve her well for this summer where we would really love to see her at the Olympics and, of course, in Montreal as well for our uh, home tournament. Okay, you open the Olympic doors weeks away, and I know you've <laughs> done some work on it this week. What can you add? Well, all those players are just super pumped to go. I'll tell you that first and foremost, that those athletes – whether it's the first time they're going like Felix Ojeali-Asim uh, or Leila Annie Fernandez, or whether they're going for you know another go-around like Fashik Pospisil and Gabby Dabrowski, that those players are just so proud to be able to go out and have the opportunity to, to wear the Maple Leaf. And look, all six who are going, um, Vashik and Felix on the men's side, and on the women, Bianca, Leila Annie, and Gabby Dabrowski, Sharon Fishman, and doubles, all of them have been you know always ready to answer the bell for Canada, whether it's Billie Jean Cup, Davis Cup, ATP Cup, I mean, all those international events that exist now in the tennis world. Um, so it's not like they're just showing up for the Olympics. They're always ready to play for their country. So I think, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, but to me, it's the deepest team we've ever sent to the Olympics in tennis. And I think there's a real opportunity to bring home uh, a medal or two here. I agree with you, Mike. It is the deepest team. And what's amazing about the depth of the team is we've got such great players that aren't even going so it's amazing how much strength we have now in canadian tennis and That's with right, that in yeah. mind i'm going to put you on the spot now that they're both <laughs> through to the next round felix okay. or dennis who's going deeper at the championships of wimbledon this year i can't sit on the fence and pick both of them i guess i can you gotta <laughs> pick one <laughs> all right all right well look felix is going to play the winner between taylor fritz and alexander's of the fourth seed who will likely emerge that's going to be a real tough match for him 
Uh, Chapo doesn't have an easy one either. He's up against uh, maybe someone who's not as well-known outside of tennis circles, but Roberto Bautista Agu, the eighth seed, he made the semis uh, a couple years ago at Wimbledon. But I think the way they're both playing right now, Chapo really gives me confidence. He really seems to be finding his grass court game. He's got a game that's built for it. It's, it's so much flair and so much excitement to watch on a fast surface like this, too. If, if he can keep this up and, and keep his uh, you know, mental game, if he can keep that in check and, and stay positive in those moments where undoubtedly it is going to get tight, then uh, if you're forcing me to pick between them, I'm, I'm going to go with Dennis right now, I think. Mike, pleasure to meet you on, on the air, and, and glad you were here, and, and thanks for supporting our show. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Ken. Take care, guys. That's Mike McIntyre at McIntyre Tennis. is the Twitter account, co-host of Match Point, the official podcast of Tennis Canada. This segment of Tennis Canada is Tennis Talk Canada. is sponsored by Fox Group at IG Private Wealth Management. Getting your financial planning in order is very important. This past year has taught us to expect the unexpected, so I feel comfortable and confident recommending Don Fox and his team to you. The Fox Group will provide a written plan. It's going to be tailored specifically for you. will reflect your goals and aspirations. It will be reviewed with you regularly and updated or adjusted to reflect major changes in circumstances or life events. The planning process begins with you in mind, the Fox Group, inspiring clients to achieve true wealth. Contact the Fox Group at their website, donfox.net. Follow them on Twitter at Fox Group PWM. This is Tennis Talk Canada. Daniel Nestor is next. You're listening on TSN 1050. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. Welcome back. Jim Taddy and Ken Christina with you. This segment is brought to you by Scoglin Homes. Considering selling your home in the GTA, do not just rely on a strong market. Call Eric Scoglin. Maximize your sale price with the Scoglin Homes comprehensive listing plan with luxurious staging, eye-catching video marketing, drone photography, and a large database of qualified buyers looking for homes just like yours. Call 647-300-7019, speak to Eric directly, or check out scoglinhomes.com to make the right decision around your largest investment. What a thrill this is. Canadian tennis legend Daniel Nestor is here. Daniel, welcome. How are you today? Thank you. I'm good. Thanks for having me. And you know Kenny well? I do. We go way back. He <laughs> took me uh, to our junior nationals as a, as a youngster, so uh, we go quite a bit back. We absolutely do, Daniel, and I have to tell you that um, everybody that always asks about, um, you know, being a provincial coach, which is what I was back then, I always say, oh, we weren't really coaches, we just kind of managed the teams, but then when they say that, I understand Daniel Nestor was on your team, then I say, yeah, I coached him, <laughs> but as you know, we just kind of, <laughs> we just kind of managed and kind of took you guys to your tournaments and uh it was an awful lot of fun. We had some great squads back then. Uh, with that in mind, any advice for you know our young Canadian players kind of coming up through the OTA ranks and across in their different provincial associations that you can kind of lend to our, our young listeners or more importantly, maybe to their parents that might be listening in? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's obviously a, a long, tough road if, uh, if you're trying to be a, a professional or, or the best you can be and uh and you know it, it requires a lot of patience there's a lot of uh hills and valleys and uh you know it's uh, it's obviously just trying to get better every day and, and working towards the end goal and and trying to stay positive and not get too discouraged because uh, you know basically if you're in an individual sport and you're playing a tournament if you're not winning you're you're losing uh, there's you know on the draw of 32 there's one winner and 31 losers so at some point if uh even if you make it to the final you're going to lose that week so it's uh, it can be a little bit disheartening but 
it's uh yeah it's it's a good character builder and uh you know there's a lot of people that have played tennis uh from a young age and and I mean, not gone to the pros but been very successful in life uh, through some of the discipline uh you know and and other characteristics that you gain along the way Daniel, Ken and I have talked about this uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, especially in singles play. I mean, you're isolated. You're out there. You have really no input. Um, somebody could make some sort of a gesture. But, I mean, you are battling yourself. How do you keep that together? Yeah, I mean, it's something that comes with experience. And, and for me, I, I, I was, you know, really fortunate to have worked with a sports psychologist and, uh, and gained, gained some of that uh, mental strength that was missing in my game when I was younger and, uh, and, and it really helped and it just allows you to, to stay calm uh, in those tough moments and, and focus on the right things. And, and, but it's a constant battle. I mean, uh, you know, you're, you're, no one's perfect and it's easy to go out there and say, I'm, I'm going to react a certain way to, to, to any situation in the match. But, uh, you know, once that situation arises, sometimes it's a different story, but it's a constant battle and, and something that you, you're, you know, you, keep trying to to get better at and uh but once you do it it's a huge uh, advantage uh you know once you have that mental strength it's a huge huge advantage uh you know at the, at the higher level i know that you've you're probably missing the game are you watching any of the wimbledon are you watching them fall are you are you remembering back to your times playing what's it like now that you've stepped away from the game from the professional side of things Honestly, I haven't been watching. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Uh, I saw Kyrgios' uh, line about the courts being a lot slower. I did notice that just from watching a couple points. And, you know, I've noticed that as a player, the transition, like it was, it happened over, over one year from the 2001 year to the 2002 year. And then, you know, I, I get why they did it. You know, they wanted longer rallies. They wanted, uh, you know, a more entertaining sport for, for television and for the fans. And, uh, but uh, as a player who, like to come to the net and, and play faster points and more aggressive tennis it wasn't the most thing playing the most fun playing singles at that point especially at Wimbledon it was a big adjustment but uh, uh, that was actually kind of around the time where I stopped playing singles and, and just started focusing on doubles so it's uh, you know but it's uh, it's still grass court tennis it's uh, it's still you know a different strategy and you got to stay lower and, and you know hit uh, the slices much more effective and, and uh, you know pulling your opponent off the court with the, the wide serve is, is still effective and and there's still, uh, you know, enough net play that, uh, that uh, you know, it's, uh, it's still entertaining to watch. Uh, help us understand. Give us a scene set. Like, what's it like playing at Wimbledon, and, and how how changeable are the conditions as, as the tourney progresses? Well, that's another example of, uh, of how everything's, you know, played at the baseline would just be the court. I mean, if you remember 30, 40 years ago, the, the court would wear out around the net because everyone was coming to the net. Now the court wears out around the baseline because everyone <laughs> plays for the baseline. So, you know, the bounces, you know, do tend to get a little more challenging as the tournament goes on just from maintaining the grass. But, um, you know, the, the courts are so well manicured and taken care of that, uh, you know, they're, they're still amazing to play on. And, and you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, a perfect grass court at Wimbledon. It's a little bit slower than than the, the warm-up tournament Queens, but uh, it's you know it's 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 the the most traditional tournament in the in the sport, and you you have such a you know you feel like you made it when, when you're there, and and when you when you're able to play that tournament it has it has so much tradition, as I said, and it's just a really special feeling. Feeling being there as a fan too. I mean, it's it's one of the the most uh, exciting spectator. Uh, 
spectacles in sport. Uh, you know, I, I think it's often compared to the Masters as as the hardest ticket to get and and you know the hardest credential to get for for you know someone that's in journalism or, or photography, or whatever. And and you know, just as a fan too, it's it's not it's not easy to access the, the venue, so it's it's a pretty special place. I think in 1999, you reached the fourth round in singles. So now I'm understanding why they decided to change how fast the surface played after that. <laughs> there you go. I was, I was still born. They didn't want to see any more of me. <laughs> Not at I, all. I, I, honestly, I do remember, like, uh, so I, I was kind of slowing down in singles in 2002. I, I played 2001, I, the qualifying. I, was, I wasn't playing as much singles then, too. I was recovering from a... a the year before so my ranking had dropped but i qualified and i and i went around and i was up uh i was playing saffin in the third second round and i was up a break in the third set having split the first two and i sprained my ankle uh during the match so i had to stop and uh but it, i know i felt comfortable on the, on the grass and then the next year again i didn't feel like playing a, a doubles warm-up tournament i was just playing doubles at that point so i decided to like, they gave me a wild card in the singles qualifying and I made it to the third round, to the last round qualifying, but it just felt different. I mean, everything just felt like it was, <laughs> I was working so much harder, and maybe it was from age, but I, I thought the court was so much different. I remember going into my last round match and, and asking a, a guy I knew in the locker room about my, my next opponent, and, you know, he's telling me, this guy's forehand's unbelievable, his backhand's amazing, his serve is great, and I'm like, come on. I mean, <laughs> there's no one like that. Maybe Federer, but you gotta, the guy's got to have some weakness. And he's like, Come to me after the match tomorrow and talk. <laughs> like, okay, whatever. I thought he was joking. So I go the next match. I can't do anything against this guy. His name is Hung Tuck Lee. He was, I don't know if you guys, you, you probably remember him if you yep. follow his sport. But, and the ball was just sitting there. I mean, I was serving, you know, I was trying to go for more on my second serve just to like, you know, take a little more risk because I didn't want him to feel comfortable. And the ball was just sitting there and he just had all the time in the world. And he, you know, I, I, I didn't play bad. He was just straight sets. He beat me. And I go in the locker room and I see the guy and I'm like, he's like laughing. I'm like, I don't know if it was him or if it was the court. I, 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 you know, but <laughs> that, that year in the final, it was all of a sudden in 2001, it was Rafter, even Isovich, typical grass court final. And then the next year it's Leighton Hewitt versus David Nalbandian. So if there's a, if there's a conspiracy that they don't want to acknowledge it's, uh, at Wimbledon about uh, slowing down the grass, then, then someone's lying to you because uh, 100% they, they slowed the game down in that, at least at that tournament and, and a lot of other Well, those, those two final matchups will, will definitely uh, weigh heavily in, in your theory for sure. Um, you won the doubles at Wimbledon in 2008 and 2009. Um, as you know, in Canada, we play an awful lot of doubles. What's some tips maybe for picking a partner, maybe at the club level? I know there's some players in your family now are playing doubles. Is there anything that we can kind of pick? I always seem to only want to pick good partners that were way better than me. What was your secret to success and maybe a tip or two for our listeners? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, good partners, obviously ideal. You you want someone that, that's, uh, that's strong beside you. Uh, that's very important, but uh, not always easy to find. But I mean, uh, you know, it, it depends. For me, I like someone that uh, that was good at the net because I wanted to win at the net, so I had to have someone beside me with the same philosophy. And and I think you could find the same thing, uh, you know, at the club level. You know, if you like to come to the net, have a have a partner that uh, 
you know, that, that likes to do that too and, uh, you know, establish a presence at the net or, you know, you, you can win, you can win both ways. You can, have, if you're an athletic guy at the net and you're able to move around and, and your partner likes to stay at the baseline, that's a good strategy too, because you can stand closer to the net and you don't have to worry so much about the lob and because your partner's at the baseline, he can compensate for you. So, I mean, it's uh, it, it's all preference and, and game styles and understanding, uh, you know, your game style and, and, and trying to, you know, find a way to, to excel that way. So I know for a lot of club players, they, they like to poach without telling their partner. They tend to serve without telling their partner what they're doing. They're returning without telling their partner anything. It's it's almost like two singles players playing doubles, really. What 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 could you tell us or, or help us in, in understanding the proper ways to poach and the proper ways to serve? Are you communicating with your partner? Are you signaling with your partner? What's what's the best way to play top level doubles for club players that are listening in? Yeah, I mean, for sure you want to be on the same page. So you, you, you should, uh, you know, definitely uh, have an idea of where your partner's serving before before the point. So, you know, discuss that and, and maybe have some signals in between first and second serve because you don't have time to go discuss uh, discuss that if, you're, if your partner misses a serve. But that affects the way you move with the net. If your partner hits a wide serve, you kind of need to move in that direction at the net. But it's also remember to keep, uh, it's important to remember to keep your shoulders square even while you're moving forward, because you sh- you should be able to move in both directions if the ball's coming to your forehand or your backhand. You s- you often see, you know, uh, let's say on the deuce side, your partner serves wide, and and you assume because your your opponent stretched out a little bit that he might go down line. So you turn your shoulder and get ready for as a ready get ready for a backhand volley. But you know he hits it you know in the middle, and if you would have stayed square to the ball, you would it would be you know in your in your area to hit a forehand volley but because you committed to that one side you've totally opened up the middle so it's it's a lot about uh you know staying square to the ball uh just the movement i find i watch club players a lot because i spend a lot of time at the at the toronto lawn it's just the footwork at the net i I don't know if it's just not efficient i feel like uh the players are maybe you know dancing around the box a little too much you're going in in too many different directions rather than just it's basically a forward and and backward movement you're going forward as your opponent's about to hit you're going backward is backward if if your partner's hitting from the baseline and you're maybe preparing for your your opponent to poach at the net but i just see too much sideways movement first you know the first step should always be forward and then and then across type thing And, and there's not enough of that and you know whether that comes from coordination or or just thinking about it or, or just practicing your footwork. Uh, but it's, it's little things that make a big difference for sure. Great tips. Uh, Daniel, thanks very much. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Daniel Nestor, Canadian tennis le- legend with some uh, nice tips there, Kenny. Absolutely. And, you know, he was known when he played as Mr. Davis Cup because he always answered the bell and played for Canada. And it's nice to see that he's enjoying retirement, but still around the tennis club down at Toronto Lawn. Wonderful to have him. Yeah, it was a thrill for me, that's for sure. Looking to purchase a home in this busy GTA market? Do not get overwhelmed. Let Eric at Scoglin Homes guide you through the process. Eric's comprehensive buyer's plan takes the stress out of purchasing with great services, including virtual showings, access to exclusive listings from the top brokerages in the city, and a complimentary design consult once you have found your dream home. Buyer's representation is very important in a hot market, so call Eric directly at 647-300-7019 or check out scoglinhomes.com to get started. This is Tennis Talk Canada, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. 
Welcome back. Final segment for Tennis Talk Canada. Jim Taddy, Ken Christina with you. Has demonstrated with two decades worth of giving advice on CP24's weekly hot property program. Vince Gaitano of OwlMortgage.ca has educated homeowners on how to utilize their home to build wealth. Follow Vince on Instagram at Vince G Mortgage or DM directly with your questions. Uh, so we're talking about uh, Felix going on against uh, Fritz Zverev, and uh, this one is now in the four set. Uh, Zverev leads it two sets to one, five four in the four set for Fritz. So this is uh, this is involved, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I would expect that Zverev will pull through in this match, even though Fritz is serving unbelievably well and playing very well. He's coming back from um, some meniscus surgery, and I can't think that his fitness level is going to be as high as it's been in the past. And Zverev, if it, even if it does go five sets, really should pull through. But with Fritz's big serve, you know, uh, big things can happen for him, so he might be able to shorten the points up. Uh, either one of these matchups will be a tough one for Felix in the next round. I don't think that either of these guys is going to be a walkover. Um, but it'll be welcome, I'm sure, for Felix to step on the court without the likes of Nick Kyrgios on the other side of the net and the... Um, distractions that come along with playing Nick Kyrgios. Oh, and he had the bag of tricks going, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, it, it's tough <laughs> when you're playing somebody like that. And I think, you know, <laughs> Kyrgios can do wonders with little practice and with little work on the fitness. But in a Grand Slam, you've got to be able to be prepared to do that every other day. And, and eventually your body's going to start to wear down. And unfortunately for him, it did. At the end of the match, after he shook hands, he kind of sat on his chair for a bit with his head in his hands. And I'm sure he's, mm. he's got to be sitting there thinking, you know, I, I, I've got to train harder if I want to do better. But I, it's, not in, it's not in his makeup. It's not in his DNA. He, he wants to do other things and enjoy other things in life. And that's okay, too. But what a talent he is, just not, not fit enough to be able to battle through Felix on today's uh, grass courts. Yeah, it leaves you wanting more. A couple of minutes left. Let me get this mentioned in first. For almost two decades, Vince Gaetano of OwlMortgage.ca has helped educate new and existing homeowners with tips and money-saving strategies to build wealth through real estate. Stay updated with the wise old owl on his Instagram live show every Thursday at Vince G Mortgage. So let's talk about in the final two minutes, Kenny, the, the disappointments from earlier this week. Uh, you know, Dennis and Felix are through, but three others didn't get there. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Vashik um, came up uh, short in his second round match, losing in three sets to TFO. Uh, TFO played very, very well. I, I think on a different day, that's a matchup that, that, that Vashik would like. I really feel like um, he, he can stay toe-to-toe. They're both ranked in, in around the same area. The problem was uh, that on that day, Vashik didn't serve well. His serve really let him down, and that became a bit of a problem. Um, Bianca played against Cornet again. Uh, she had lost to her seven five seven six um, ten days or two weeks ago. Played her again, and and as as I've said before, unfortunately in this matchup, Cornet just played too well. Bianca is not striking the ball well, and I believe it's really lack of match play. And I I hate to say it because she doesn't come across this way but it's a lack of confidence right now she's searching for a way to play a little bit stronger you know I think Mike McIntyre touched on it briefly about her not having a coach right now she needs to get a coach she has to have somebody in her ear she ha whether it's you know making her get better or being a little bit positive she's got to do that and uh, Leila Annie Fernandez unfortunately with a tough draw playing Ostapenko first round 
Um, she said she was embarrassed by the result, losing 6-2, 6-1. Unfortunately for her, Ostapenko was playing the best tennis she's played in a couple of years, coming off a victory in the tournament at Eastbourne. So it was a tough matchup for Layla, tough draw for her uh, at this Wimbledon, but great things still ahead for Layla Annie Fernandez for sure. You have excellent timing. We are done. Kenny, thanks very much. We'll talk next week. Have, uh, enjoy your week ahead. Thank you very much, and stay with us for more Euro 2020 soccer.